Hi guys, this is Willie Tonga and you're listening to Talking with TK. G'day guys, welcome to episode 139 of Talking With TK. I'm your host Tristan Cannell, another great episode ahead. We can be continuing in our NRL field with Origin On. Who better to bring on than Willie Tonga? An absolute cracker of a story. You know, he achieved it all, Origin, International. He's a Premiership winner. He's got a really great perspective Very articulate speaker as well. So he really shares many things, actually, for the first time. So stay tuned for some cracking stories. But, yeah, he's an absolute gun left center. I remember watching him when I was just refereeing back in the the under-20s. And, yeah, he really blew me away how good he actually was. And it was an absolute joy to watch Tong play every single week. He's actually just started private coaching as well. So... It is relatively not that expensive at all either. So you get great exit or access to an absolute expert. Like I did say, you know, his career speaks for itself. Origin International Premiership winner. So if you want to have a look, if you've got some kids coming through the grades, you know, I couldn't highly recommend it even more. So jump on to playbook co- playbook.coach, search Willie Tonga. You'll see his profile on there. And yeah, highly recommend it if you've got a kid coming through the, the ranks. It's not just about what he's achieved in sports. You know, he's got a, a lot of life experience, both on and off the field. So he's someone that you should definitely keep in mind if you want to take, you know, your, the training of your, your children, your kids, your teens, even your adults. I've had some people request his details, and they're just, you know, your local park footy players. Before we get Will on the show, just a big shout out to everyone leaving reviews, whether that's on your iTunes or Apple Podcasts or just simply on Facebook. It really helps every single review. So if you haven't yet, if you could do that, yeah, I'd be I'd be stoked if you could do that. Definitely connect with me on Facebook or Twitter. It's an easy one, at Talking with TK. Definitely send me an email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Love to hear where you're listening to the show from. You know, suggestions for guests for season four as well. Still got plenty of the season to go. There's still another five episodes or so to complete season three. But definitely send me an email. Love to hear suggestions on who you want to hear for season three. If you haven't checked out all the Bat Catalog, definitely log on to www.talkingwithtk.com or simply search Talking with TK on your podcast app. There's plenty to see if you haven't, or plenty to listen to if you haven't yet, you know, episode 139. So if you're a newbie, definitely jump on the website or your podcast app and go through the back catalog, especially when we have a little break between season three and season four. All right, guys, excited again to bring you another great episode, and I introduce Willie Tonga. All right, guys, my special guest today is Willie Tonga. Willie is a former professional rugby league player, which featured 212 first-grade games across the NRL and Super League. He won an NRL premiership with the Doggies in 2004. His distinguished representative career includes eight State of Origins for Queensland, 12 tests for Australia, and one game for the Indigenous All-Stars. Honoured to welcome to the podcast, Willie Tonga. Willie. Appreciate it, brother. Mate, let's start... 
first things first. I actually want to know because your real, real name is Viliami, correct? Correct. Who gave you the? Well, it's become your name. Who? How did you become Willie? I I think it started when I first moved down to Parramatta, and up until then, I was still being called William by everybody. So, 14, 15 years old, you were still Billy Army? No, it, no. Was, it was William. Okay, it, it was, was William. William. Yeah, okay, yeah, because, um, yeah, people just couldn't pronounce Billy Army um, in the country. I love that name, man. Every time I see kick out, he kills it. Yeah I, yeah, I wish I'd ran with it, but, yeah, yeah um, it is what it is. But, yeah, up until I moved to, to Para, um, which is when I was 17, um, they're like, no, nah. they, so I don't know, someone just called me Willie and then it stuck. Um, and then, yeah. And then when I started playing footy, playing first grade, yep. um, still wasn't comfortable. I, I'm still not comfortable with Willie. Like if people know me and, um, well, everybody that knows me, they either call me Tong or T or, yep. um, you, or if it's my family, William. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if it's somebody that doesn't know me, then it's Willie. Um, yeah, but I'm not a fan of Willie at all, to really? be honest. Nah. So what would you prefer to be called? Will. Will? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, or if it's by one of the boys, mm-hmm. um, Tong. Tong? Yeah. All right. What do you want to be, Tong tonight? Tong, yeah. Tong, my man. I'm good with that. Okay, cool. All right, tell me a little bit about, because you've got an incredible background, mate, because your dad's Tongan, your mum's Indigenous. Mm-hmm. What age were you when you kind of found out a little bit more about your background? Uh, it wasn't until later in like my teenage years that mm. um, you know we started talking about we're, we're finding out more about our uh, Tongan side. Okay. Um, you know, Dad moved over, and you know we grew up in Peak Hill, which mm-hmm. is out near Dubbo, yep. um, in the country. And so I was brought up around my, um, you know, Aboriginal family. Yep. And, you know, later on got introduced to the Tongan side. And, um, yeah, it wasn't until then that um, we started learning more about our Tongan heritage and, um, you know, embraced that as well. Okay. Um, so, you know, there were times where growing up, you know, that, Aboriginal, you know, people would look at us as Tongans. Mm-hmm. Tongans would look at us as Aboriginal. So it was it was a little tough. It would be, mate. Um, yeah. You know, and at that age, when you're in your teenage years, you sort of you sort of question, like, you know, what well, is it I, a cool thing what, to do? It's like a weird sort of yeah, scenario, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And then you know, people would ask, you know, would you consider yourself more Tongan or Aboriginal? And then when we sort of found out more about our Tongan heritage. Mm. You, you can't choose. You're either you can't say I'm I'm more Tongan than Aboriginal. Or yeah. Just yeah, I'm half. It's funny about when you're a kid, eh? Because like my parents are Mauritian, so yeah. that's my background. But it's funny, like I didn't really even embrace it till maybe I was 17, 18 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. It was like because you know all the kids at school, everyone was calling themselves Australian and stuff like that, and yeah. you always wanted to like kind of fit in, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when I was thirteen. Um, we moved to Sherberg, which is mm. an Aboriginal mission. Okay. Um, so, um, were your parents working on there or? 
Yeah, my, my dad's a pastor. Okay. And so we moved yep. up there um, and he was pastor of one of the churches up there. Gotcha. Um, so it was a little odd for him being Tongan to be the pastor of, mm. of an Aboriginal church, but... Had they, did um, they accept him pretty, pretty quickly? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Even now, he um, he calls Sherbrooke home. Okay. Um, you know, and he wants to move back there now um, to this day. Like, he lives in Brisbane. Um, yeah, and he said, you know, when when he does pass, he'd he'd want to be... Um, Up there. Buried, yeah, in Sherbrooke. Wow. So, um, the place just must mean everything to him, right? Yeah, I, I think... I think that was a big thing for the people up there to embrace him the way they did yeah. and embrace us as a family as well. Um, you know, there's there's boys up there that um, I consider as brothers that I still speak to to this day. Um, even though I only lived there for four years, um, you know, they're like family. And, um, you know, they, they, done, they helped us out a lot. Um, and um, even though that... We were Tongan. They didn't see that side of us. They yeah. just said, "Yeah, you're one of the boys." What's the, what do you think the biggest thing you learn when you learn, like when you live in one of these missions? What's the biggest thing you kind of learn when you're there? I think for me, one of the biggest openers was uh, coming from where we'd lived. Um, and and moving up there, like alcohol was massive, mm. drugs is massive, yeah. and um, it's it's sad to say, but domestic violence as well. And so there's those things, you know. I wasn't brought up around, but to see young girls coming to school with black eyes, yeah, uh, women walking around the community with black eyes, but it being a normal thing to everybody else like that was a massive eye opener for me so um yeah i I can't really pinpoint one thing that i i could say that i i learned but but um yeah it was just I, i embraced it and um yeah, it was it was a good experience. I, I, I wouldn't change anything about it. Mm. So tell me a little bit about your brothers because I remember Essie. Mm-hmm. He played obviously at Manly and, and Parramatta, so very, very good. But did you have another brother that was even more super talented than the two of you? Yeah. What's yeah. his name? Sione. Sione. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's what level did Sione get up to? He played... Uh, he came down to Parramatta when I was there. So um, he came down maybe when he was 17, 18... And he was more talented than both of us, but yeah. he was... What was he? Like a half or... No, he, he was a back rower. So a big boy as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, he didn't mind a party and, yeah, he didn't <laughs> I mind I guess it's that discipline and, factor, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, my old man used to wake us up at five o'clock. Yeah. And we used to go for runs in the morning. Okay. And so it'd be me and Essie <laughs> and my brother, he just... He wouldn't get up. He just the super talented one. Yeah. yeah, man. And um, and that's how it was with you know with the boys at Sherbrooke. You know they they were so talented. You know um, had all the talent in the world, but they didn't want to train. And I thought 
well, for me to get near their level, mm. I'm going to have to train, you know, twice as hard. And I'd wake up at five o'clock and go yeah. for those 6K runs um, just to try and be on their level. Um, and I learned so much from them as a footy player. And if, it, if I didn't move there, I wouldn't have played the NRL. No. You know, 100%. That instilled everything in you, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, Was your dad sure. a footy player? He played rugby. rugby okay. Union, yeah. So is he, is he a big lad as well? He's, yeah. Because you're all yeah. quite big. What are yeah. you, about 6'1", 100 yeah. kilos? Yeah, so. I'm 6'1". Yeah. Uh, the other boys are 6'2". Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, mate, tell me a little bit about Because you couldn't play... Because your dad's being a pastor, you couldn't even play rugby league for a little while. Nah. Um, so I started when I was 12. Yeah. And That's a late start, man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty late compared to um, most of the boys that I've... I've met. Um, but an incredible example that you don't have to make it at that age or even start, you know? Not at all. I, and I, I still, you know, I was a, I, I'd, I'd like to say that I was a late bloomer. Yep. Um, and I was only bringing this, talking to Chris Walker about it last, last month. I went on a, on a weekend trip up to Mount Isa and played one of the games up there, Legends of the League. Yeah, nice. And he's, if you know Chris Walker, he don't mind talking about himself. And he's like, um, "Did you did you know that there's only two people that made um, Queensland 12, 13, 14, 15 and started rattling off these stats?" Yeah, and of course he was one of them. Um, so he obviously he was he was talented at a young age. But um, my first um, Queensland jersey was um, in first grade. The state of origin. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't. Yeah, I, I tell all the boys who think you know by seventeen or eighteen if they haven't gotten picked up, they think their time's over. I'm like, no, it's you've got plenty of time ahead. You know, Cody Walker, for instance. Yep. You know, he's origin twenty nine. Yeah, he only debuted um, a couple of years ago. What an incredible story. Yeah. Um, but this is like, you know, we spoke a little bit about coaching before we started. Mm -hmm. This is the incredible kind of thing that you can bring. And we'll talk a little bit more about it mm -hmm. later in the, in the show. But, you know, that experience, the fact that you don't have to make it, you don't have to make all the rep teams. But, you know, that 5 a.m. start, you know, that's, you will catch up if you yeah, do the hard work. I think um, the reason why I did that is because I'm a massive, um, massive boxing fan. Yeah. And so I used to watch those, those videos and those documentaries back in the day and Mike Tyson waking up at four o'clock. <laughs> Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Yeah. But him saying, I do this because I know that my opponent's not doing it. They're asleep. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so that's, that's the mentality I took. And to this day, well, now that I'm not playing, but. You know, while I was playing, yep. I wanted to try and I wasn't I was never the you know, the fittest or mm. whatever, but I wanted to try and give my all and it was um, an edge bar. It started, still, it started yeah. from when I was young. So back to your question <clears throat> about not being able to play, um I started at twelve, played rugby league and then when I was thirteen we moved to Sydney mm. um for one year, lived in La Perouse and Rugby league was on a Sunday, and because perfect. my because oh, my dad's a, not, yeah. because pasta, my dad's a pastor, perfect, yeah. because my dad's a pastor, we weren't allowed to play, and so rugby union was on Saturdays, mm. so we got into rugby union, um, 
and it got to a point where I thought that I was going to, if I had a choice over rugby union or rugby league, yeah. it would have been rugby union. Really? Yeah. Well, what what did you find more attractive about rugby union? Um, just the open space. Okay. Yeah. Out in the backs. Where were you playing? Like inside centre or something? Inside centre, yeah. Yeah, nice. Because yeah. that's, that's a good blend there because you're kind of like a 5'8", but you really you can, yeah. you can use your size for a little bit of rough stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, and because I wasn't getting picked up for these, you know, rugby league um, teams or whatever, but I was making reps for rugby union, mm. I'm thinking, I think I'm better at rugby union than I am rugby league. Yeah, nice. Um, I forget the coach's name, but he was coaching for the Reds back then. He coached Japan in their last World Cup. Oh, Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones. Yeah. Yeah, he got me down um, for a camp when I was 17. Okay. uh, For the Queensland Reds. And my old man asked me, so he said, you know, if the Reds come and and offer you a contract, would would you take it? I'm like, 100%. Wow. So, well, what if... If you had a choice between rugby union and rugby league, I'm like, whoever comes first. So it just so happened that um, Noel Cleal um, got a phone call from one of the scouts up there yeah. to bring me down for a trial. And um, he said, you know, personally, I, I I didn't think I played well. Yeah. And, but he said that within the five minutes, he knew. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't know how he got that, but I guess that's why he's he's a scout and he's one of the best. Yeah, he, he's... A, one thing I always wanted to ask you, Tom, because your in and away man is one of the best in and ways I've ever seen. When did you start doing it? Because I'll tell you a story after you tell me when you actually learned how to do mm-hmm. it. So do you want to tell the story first? Yeah. Okay, so I used to referee. So I used to referee and I got up to about Jersey Flag. So when you used to referee Jersey Flag. You used to, you remember back in the day when you played reserve grade, you used to have interchange cards and stuff like that mm. to go on? Yeah. So if you did Jersey Flakes referee, you'd have to stand by for the next game and help out and do the interchange yeah, yeah, cards, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, So anyway, you just broke into, I think, Reggie's. And remember when Parramatta you used to play at Cabramatta? Mm-hmm. Man, you were playing Reggie's. It's the first time I've ever seen you. I take a pretty good interest in who's coming through. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm a bit of a student of rugby league. I enjoy watching, because I used to go to all three grades with my dad. Yeah. So coming through, first time I'd seen you play, I didn't know who you were at the time because you didn't really play that too much flag. I think you got pushed straight into Reggie's pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to referee you in, in Jersey flag. But I remember, man, you put this in and away on this veteran and I'm going, fuck, you, he'll be in there. He'll play rep footy. And it just amazed me. And then the next year, obviously, I think you went to Canterbury and the rest is history. But I'm pretty sure if that's what I saw... That's what he saw, man. And your in and away was one of the best in and ways I've ever seen. I appreciate that. Um, I learned it from one of the boys up in Sherbrooke. Um, and I've, I don't think I've ever told um, this story or I'd never tell him. Um, Who yeah. is it, mate? <laughs> His name's Mark Soldner. Okay. Um, but the way he he was able to like just skip in the air and then wait for them to plant yep. and then he'll he'll move on you and I just remember going in, in a backyard and practicing with my brothers um, CC and SE 
just practicing that all day. And then, yeah, I tried it out in a couple of games down in, um, up in Queensland, sorry. And then, yeah, it just became something that, it just became part of my game, I guess. Yeah, well, but just a quick feat for a man that was 100 kilos, like, your first 15 metres were explosive, man. Like, it was fast. Like, did you do any timing kind of over that that distance? Because I reckon you would have been one of the quickest in the NRL over that distance. No, I didn't. I, um, like, we'd done your 40s tests and stuff like that, but, um, no, I don't, I don't remember ever doing any testing. But it's, it's just those, like, that little thing you need. Like, just remember back to the grand final. You only had like a couple inches of space when you put Tonga up, put Utah over in the corner just after half time. But it's only that little bit of space that you were able to execute on that was probably those little fundamentals that you did in the backyard with your brothers. 100%, yeah. And <clears throat> if you could see um, where we lived up in Sherbrooke, there wasn't a lot of space, but we'd go, all right you're up against me mm. and there's maybe a couple of meters each side um of this strip our front yard yeah and you've got to beat me and we <laughs> used to just practice that every single day um how good is this like small space for you and you got like 10 meters or something yeah and you turn and it into a footy field you learn and yeah and that's 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 how you learn um and yeah on the other end of that we'd have each other you know running as hard as we could yeah and then just trying to just trying to pull off hits, um, and because Essie was five years younger, yep. um, I think you know he he grew up sort of us bullying him a little bit. Okay, and um, what's yeah, the difference he, he in age? Up, he he only up, is what's one year, one year, yeah. And then Essie said Essie's five five years younger okay. than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, Sione, yeah, he was always. Um, the big hitter, and I was, I was always, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, yeah, give yeah. Give me that white. Oh, Jesus. So, mate, Crusher comes calling. He's the one that obviously scouted you, but, you know, you're doing pretty well in rugby league. I uh, saw rugby union. So what was the thing that got you across the line to go to, to rugby league in Paramount? They called first. Okay. Yeah, uh, that was that was it. If um, So did the Reds come, would they, did they know, or once you signed, you were just gone? Um, I'm not too sure. Um, I remember, you know, Eddie Jones, um, you know, meeting Eddie Jones and, and saying that him telling me that he'd seen me play when I was younger mm. um, and they really wanted me, but um, I hadn't heard anything. And like I said earlier, it was it was literally whoever comes to me first, then... I'm going to take that opportunity. Yeah, it's an incredible feeling. It must be when a really high-profile coach comes out and says they're looking at you, right? I think, to be honest, <clears throat> there was the the game that we played. It was just a local game. Yeah, um, it was in Kingaroy, and I think we were playing like Sherberg versus Kingaroy. Okay, and there happened to be like a a Parramatta scout just just watching. Yeah, and so he called Crusher. Um, and Crusher, so later on that year, I got picked to play in Wide Bay, which is like a rep, um, a rep team up in Cairns, but 
I was prop and I'm not a prop. No. Um, and so I, I didn't play well, yeah. you know, because I'm not a prop and, um, you know, Artie, you know, um, Artie would say that he used to say that, yeah, I, I first, he, he first, um, yeah, I heard that rumor. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of spotted me, but, um, that, that's not the truth. Um, so crushes came up, he saw me, wasn't happy with what he saw. Yeah. But I think they offered me a trial just to say, you know, like, mm. um, because I was on a scholarship. Okay. I think it was just them being nice, really. But they've got nothing to lose, do they? Because they can just send nah. you back. So And so I, I came down, played 20 minutes, and they named the team. So that was the very last trial before they, they named the team. Yeah. And I didn't get named in that team. But then um, later on, um, a guy by the name of Kev Wise mm-hmm. pulls me aside and he, get, he said to me, would you move down if you could find your own accommodation? And without even calling mum or dad, I said, yep, I'll move down. Yeah, it was just a gut feeling you yeah. needed to do. Yeah. Um, and then straight away I rang mum and dad and like, um, they want me to stay down. Yeah. Like, is there anywhere where I can stay? And then um, we had friends of the family at Mount Druitt. Um I ended up moving out there and, you know, never had caught a bus before, never caught a train, but yeah. I had to learn all that, um, you know, to get to training. Yep. Um, I wanted to repeat year 12 because when you're in Queensland, you're only 17. Okay. When you're, yeah, yeah. When you're in year 12. And... Because you can do pathways here too, so you can do that extra year. Yeah, yeah. And so <clears throat> I noticed, um, and I'll, this is the honest truth, I, mm. there were a few boys that were going to Terra Sancta. Okay. Um, you know, Valeti Mateo. Um, he's oh, only, they had a gun team. They had like yeah, Heath the Strange. Back then, yeah, back then. They had a uh, little fullback. He was a gun as well. Was his name? Yeah. I'll, so they, they had a good team. Oh, mate. And it was unreal. I remember there was a TAFE right next to it yep. that um, that I was going to. But then when I saw the girls at Terra Sancta, <laughs> I, went, I went and asked the officials at, at Para yeah. to repeat Year 12 just because of the girls. Really? Yeah. Because um, I went to a high school and we only had like 200-something students. So. That's where I grew up at Quakers Hill. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Just up. The, so I went to St Andrews, which is the next school. Yeah, next to Terra Sancta, yeah. which is just up the road. But yeah, Terra Sancta was a great. Yeah, school. I was yeah. willing to repeat you. Just so just what to, happened? Um, the, they wouldn't let me because rugby league was. I think is, is that a rugby league school? It is. Yeah. It was a rugby league school. Yeah. Well, Mate, they even had David Riolo as their coach. Yeah. They said that um, it'd be too much. Ru- you know, too much forty foot during the week. Really? I think, yeah. I think um, even though Folletti was there and some of the other boys, yeah. yeah. Um, it would have been a good environment. Sometimes those footy schools, like Greg's and that one, Dommies, they're just good because they get you in an environment where you can kind of get a little bit more professional, yeah, and get to see and mix mix a little bit with the guys that are in the SG Ball and Harold Matthews, and that kind of rubs off. Yeah, well. yeah. So, well, I. That wasn't my thought process, to be honest. I you just, just want the girls. I just wanted to go because I saw the girls there and I'm like, 
yeah, we didn't have that back where I was, where I came from. Um, but I ended up doing a TAFE course with, you know, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, yeah. which I didn't, I didn't finish because... What were you studying? Um, it was a certificate for in, uh, in youth work. Okay. And the reason I, I didn't finish that was because we had to do a presentation at the end. Mm. And because I was so shy, I wouldn't stand up in front of the class. Oh, really? Yeah. So the teacher's like, okay, well, what if we got the class to all turn around mm. and face the back of the room so you don't have to see anybody's faces? Okay. I'm like, I still can't still do it. Still couldn't do it. Yeah. She's like, well, if you can't do it, then I can't pass you. I'm like, okay, well, don't pass me then. Was that something that runs in your family? Was your brothers like that as well? Shy? Yeah. 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 Was it just like an upbringing thing or? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've all sort of um, sort of grown out of that um, to a certain extent. I'm, I'm still quite standoffish and, yeah. you know, very reserved. Um, That's just part of your personality. Yeah, it's but just, I remember yeah. I remember because Essie was at the Bulldogs when I was there as well. Okay. And um, I remember Nate Miles, he's like, so we're that quiet. He's like, were you ever allowed to talk when you were young? Yeah. And I didn't realize it was that obvious, but... Um, but on the Tongan side of your family, it's very... You've got to be very respectful to elders. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. huge, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's just I where think it's from. Just, just, yeah, yeah. just how we were brought up. You know, mm. um, you know, mom and dad were very strict on us. Um, and Which might, you know, you might have not done that great in that thing, but today you're very polite, you know, you're always treating people with respect. So that, those little lessons, like, yeah, it might have hindered you in a presentation, but you've got the skills now where you treat people correctly. You know? Yeah. So and it's like one of those mixed things, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And looking at kids now and, you know, the way they sort of get around and, you know, present themselves, like... You question yourself, like, you know, where's, where is that respect going? You know, mm. like, how are they being brought up? But I don't know, that's a... I would way rather be shy and be polite to people, man. Yeah, for sure. Than outgoing and be yeah. a little shit, you yeah, know 100%. I mean? like, but, yeah. yeah, So, mate, you know, life in Sydney, like, you know, you were talking about adjusting and having to catch buses, trains and things like that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think of going home? Yeah. Uh, two weeks into it, <clears throat> I told my mum... I'm not doing it. Um, you know, I, I was on the phone crying to her and, you know, only being 17. She came down to Mount Druitt. Yep. Um, she stayed with me for a couple of months and, you know, told me to stick it out. There were people at, um, at Parramatta at the time that sort of helped me as well. Um, you know, Dave Solomona. Yep. Um, you know, Kylie Luluai. Um, those boys that you know took, sort of took me under their wing as well. Yeah, nice. Um, so was so there a I was of lucky. Polynesian sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And then <clears throat> the second year, Dean Witters came along. Okay, brilliant. Um, man. You know, too. So yeah. I just I hung with him. You know, the whole time. You know, too. And um, you know, he got me through that. Um, it, it was tough. You know, Brian Smith. He was a hard man on me. I've, you know, I've never been more afraid of a man. Besides my old man, Dan yeah. Brian Smith. Well, what did he do? Um, I don't know if it was he. 
if you've heard of the mind games, yeah, yeah, everyone's heard of his mind games and stuff like that. But it, it was like he used to just pick me out and pick on me, and just to test me. And um, and I was so, I'm thankful now that I didn't break. Yeah, I know that it would have broken a lot of a lot of kids, especially um, you're 18 if you're shy. Yeah. If you're shy, and you know you're. Um, you know, that's why a lot of country boys, you know, go back home or, you know, a lot of boys don't make it because they get intimidated. Um, have you seen Brian since you were an adult? Because obviously you're a child. You're not a child, but you're 18, you know. I have. <clears throat> I saw him um, when I was in France. Okay. Um, Did you discuss it? I never discussed it. And I always had something in the back of my mind. Um, or just – there was – resentment there there was yeah, something there but then I wanted to be the bigger man and I just went up to him and just shook his hand and mm. as soon as he saw me he you know had a big smile on his, on his face and do you um, think that maybe because of your talent level he was maybe trying to challenge you I'm not sure what it was I, I really would love to sit down with him and I think it'd be a great and, conversation yeah, for both of you I could, because I to this day I don't know what it was yeah. but I remember one time he named me as a an eighteenth man to go to Gold Coast, mm-hmm. and so I rock up to the stadium with my bag, ready to go. And in front of everybody, he puts you in the spot. He's like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, you told me that I'm eighteenth man." I'm like, yeah. "No, you're not." Wow. And then, so as an eighteen year old, I'm. So you're embarrassed as hell. Embarrassed in front of all the boys. Yeah, and they didn't they didn't understand it either because they clearly see me get named. Yeah. Um, but yeah, little things like that they s- stick in the back of my mind. And but I've got no I've got nothing against Brian. Mm. Um, but I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with him and and one and just ask him like. Why was he like that? You know, was he trying to? Yeah. Was he trying to test me? But you know, it's probably good that you did go through it, man. Because in terms of your own evolution now, as potentially a coach for yourself down the track, because you've seen so many different styles, you can kind of see what really resonates with yourself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, there's so many things with, with through my career. You know, I've been through a lot of ups and downs, yep. and um, you know being told that I'd never I'd never make it never play first grade mm. did that never I'll never play origin did that never play for Australia did that got injured was told that I'll never make it again yeah and so all of those things fired me and, and so what was the, the dri- last thing what with do you think was driver <clears throat> people telling me I can't do it yeah yeah, just to prove them wrong. Just to prove them wrong. And yeah. So, the last, bef- the time that I, um, the last time I saw Brian when he was coached for Parramatta, yeah, um, he said, "If you ever leave Parramatta, you'll never, you'll never make first grade." Fuck, it was he tough. Said, he was, yeah, <laughs> he was ruthless. I'm like, um, I remember hearing that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. And then rang my manager, let's do the deal. Um, whoever's keen. And then um, we're sort of waiting, still waiting on 
whether Willie Talao was going to leave or not. Mm. Um, Willie Talao went to Wigan and they done the deal. Right, Will. So tell me a little bit about your first grade debut because it was at the, you know, against the Roosters at the SFS and for all the troubles that you were going, you know, being 18th man and getting crushed and things like that, mm-hmm. how did you actually find out the news that you actually were going to be debuting? Uh, so he called me on on our home phone um, and actually, I, a year before, I was going to make my debut at 17. Yeah. Um, and so he called me and he said, um, you know, it's Brian. Um, I'm going to throw you in with the big boys this week. Mm. And my heart just raced. And, um, I'd only had a handful of, um, Reggie's games then. I'm still 17. And, um, that week I went to training, didn't say a word because I was in awe, like, you know, had... Um, Jason Moody on my wing. Yeah. Um, you know, Butner, Michael Butner was a five yep. eight. Um, you know, all these boys that you know a year ago or the year before, you know, I was looking up to. Yep. Um, and he said, so that whole week I didn't say a word. It's like if you don't talk, you're not going to be able to play first grade. Mm. Um, so I missed that opportunity because he said that just straight up, I can't pick you because. Yep. You're not going to make it um, because you can't. You won't talk, and fair enough. So, um, state of origin period, Jamie Lyon got picked for New South Wales, mm-hmm. um, and he calls me and said, "You know, I'm going to put you in first grade this week. Um, up against the playing the Roosters." Um, yeah. Did you and, think he was still messing with you? Um. <clears throat> I, I can't remember the feelings of of what it was like when he first told me, um, but I remember I remember just sitting there thinking, um, you know, like all that hard work sort of paid off. Yeah, um, you know those those five o'clock wake ups, those six k runs before school, and then running after school. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's starting to pay off. Um, and then, yeah, I don't remember much of my debut, but I, I remember running out <clears throat> and yeah, it was at the S- SFS Yep. and we're all sort of, so they're kicking off. So we're all standing there waiting for the kickoff and waiting for them to run out. And then I see Freddie Fittler run out and then I see <laughs> Brett Mullins run out. <laughs> Because Mullins was still playing for yeah, the Roosters yeah. back then. He played the grand final. Yeah. yeah, and I remember because I was a I was a big um, Raiders supporter back. Because you were born in Canberra. I was born too, in Canberra. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so seeing Freddie and Brett Mullins, I'm like, this is happening. Yeah, yeah it's man. really happened. Eighty nine, so, ninety grand final. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember. I remember that feeling. Um, but I don't. I haven't watched the game. Um, my debut. I've, I've I haven't watched many games. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, um, how many I'll tickets pl- they give you that I played in? Um, no, none of my family came down. Oh, no um, one was there. For no the one debut. came down. No. Um, a few, few of my mates from Sydney. Yep. Um, and a few, few of my family members from Sydney came. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, um, 
nah, my parents weren't there. Um, but I just remember the phone call after it and they were just so excited, you know, mum was crying and, um, yeah. All That's that. the best feeling, but right? When your mum, you can just tell, you know, your yeah, mum's super it's... proud, man. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I guess because she didn't understand and she didn't really come to watch our games as well. Yeah. Um, but, and I know how, how proud old man was as well, but um, to have my mum crying and her seeing that, you know, I'm I'm starting to live my dream. Mm. Like, um, yeah, that was sort of satisfying for her to see, I guess. For sure. Now, you know, you, you touched before about moving over to the doggies. You know, mm. stats-wise, you know, before you moved, obviously 2004 was a ripper year for you because you did everything. But, you know, before you got to the doggies, you had a draw in that first game and you didn't win a game in NRL. Yeah, I know that. And to move over after two years of not winning an NRL game and achieve what you did in 2004, how did you do it, man? First, how do you know that? There's, there's a good stats. It's called Rugby League... Oh, Jesus. Rugby League Project, right? Mm. So every single player who's ever played NRL, every single game is broken down, and you can break it down season by season. So I like to go on there and just see what the first few seasons brought. Mm. So when I jumped on you... First few games, I think you had six or seven games in the first year. Same thing in the second year. But that first was a draw and no more wins after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shane Flanagan was my coach, my Reggie's coach at the time. Yeah. Um, and I preferred playing Reggie's than first grade. I preferred training with Reggie's than first grade. And mm. um, Flano was a massive help with developing my game and, you know, teaching me so much. Yep. Um, and I remember him saying, um, and this was after I'd, I'd played eight games at Parra, he goes, you haven't won a, won a first grade game yet. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm aware of that. And he's like, does Brian know? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, you should tell him. I'm like, as an 18 year old, you're not going to go up to a coach and say, I haven't won first grade yet. Like, put me in so yeah. I can just win one. Um, but I remember that conversation that we had um, about not winning a game. And then, yeah, that next year was just, it was just crazy. Yeah. It, it really was. I think we only lost five games that, that year or something. It was ridiculously yeah. low. Yeah. What was the first impression of someone like Steve Folks? Um, the total opposite very laid back yeah um very like he <clears throat> i don't think i've ever seen him raise his voice um and he was he was more of the mindset you train hard play hard and you know you do your thing if you if you back yourself and you think you can do it mm. then then have a crack um, Did and he used to he train just, with you and stuff? Oh yeah, he was so fit. He was so fit. Used to lead all the all the bike rides. Yeah. Um, used to used to do like those marathons and stuff like that. Used to used to be up, you know, with who was it? Lobby. Um, yeah, like Tony Grimaldi, all the all the fit boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was he was leading the leading the pack, but. Um, yeah, he was very, very 
the opposite to what Smitty was, but um, which I loved. Yeah, you know, I I didn't really take the game that seriously. Um, I just wanted to get out there and have fun. Yeah, and that's what it was to me. Um, just let me go out there, let me do my thing, and um, if it comes off, then yeah, he was happy. If it didn't, then um, no, at least I had to go. There's something about Belmore, buddy, isn't there, man? Because that was the first place that I ever witnessed the game at Rugby League. And there's just something when you're sitting on the hill at, all, at, at Belmore and just imagining what it's like on the on the field. Even, I know back then, it's your training venue. Mm-hmm. But to go there every day, there's something special about the Bulldogs culture and there's something special about Belmore. There really Belmore, is, yeah. There, there really is. Um, <clears throat> I remember walking, the first day I walked in, um, I think they just got beaten by... Um, I think they just got beaten by the Roosters in 03. Is, mm. Did they get knocked out the by doggies, the Roosters in 03? Yeah. I think they did in like one of the semis. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they had to meet the following Wednesday and they had to do medicals and stuff like that before they all um, broke up. Mm. And Jamal Alessi and myself were the only two new signings and we had to go in that day. Okay. Um, but I just remember <clears throat> um, the vibe that I got from when the, the boys walking in. And um, it was just, it was totally different. Yeah. You know, they, everybody just seemed, um, I don't know, I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just, I could feel there was a, just a different energy in that room. Who did you um, click with sort of straight away? I knew Jonathan. Okay. Um, and he won't mind me tell, telling you this, but <clears throat> he walked in absolutely blind. This was a Wednesday. To that medical? To the medical. <laughs> so they they, they had obviously had Mad Monday. Yeah. He hadn't stopped. He's still going Wednesday morning. Wow. And he walked in stumbling. Um, and uh, Rennie. Rennie was a... So Jonathan came over. As soon as he saw me, he was like, yeah, um... He was happy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Rennie was the first person to walk over and introduce himself. And that's that kind um, of where that sort of friendship sort of started, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only person the, the only person that didn't say hello was Willie Mason. I was about to guess. I was going to say, what, is he just seeing, just fronting you up just to see what you got or...? Um, <clears throat> so that year, I, I got picked in residence okay. for New South Wales. I didn't want to be there. And so... Well, you're a Queenslander. Yeah. So, um, I yeah. did not want to be there. And so, um, when you're playing in the in the main game, yep. you come and watch the game before, you know, before you got to go get ready. Yeah, yeah. So, he came out, <clears throat> watched the game, saw me do nothing, saw me play like shit. So, he's a lazy bastard. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. like... So, we got rid of Vangana and Talao for him. And then, so he was just off me. And so he's the only person that didn't come up and say hello. And then, um, yeah, he explained to me later on. He's like, yeah, that's the reason why I didn't come up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I didn't rate you or whatever. But. but, Will, for a guy that hadn't won a game yet, mate, you just mentioned the name. Nigel Vungana was a freaking god, man. Yeah. And he was a left center too, right? Yeah. So you had yeah. to actually fill his shoes. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? Did you just kill it in the trials? Is that why you got yeah, you got your start or? Um 
Yeah, I, I'm in the Bulldogs role. Yeah, yeah. Pre season was it? Was yeah, yeah. Well, um, I I backed myself. I knew that I was the first grader. Mm. I just wasn't comfortable in playing. Like every time I played in the, in in first grade for Para, I just just crumbled. Like I yeah. I wasn't able to to rise to that next level, but. I knew that I could play first grade, mm. if that makes sense. So, um, you know, once after meeting Folksy and how down to earth he was, um, you know, it just allowed me to go out there and just play my game. And yeah. um, I think we, we played St. George in a trial and I was up against Gaz, Mark Gaznia. And, um, and I went all right. And that's a special feeling, but he's good, man. He'd played for Australia, yeah, you know, and um, yeah, I went all right, and so then I got my start, yeah, mate. Your combination with we spoke a little bit about it with Maddie Utah before, like, Maddie's like my height, like, yeah, do you imagine you know now they I'm not sure how much rugby league you watch now, but you've got all the blocker penalties, I can't remember what they call it when the center runs to other opposition off the ball. They had that now, mate. You would have been penalised so many times because the amount of times you had to protect him. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, escort, yeah, yeah. Escort, sorry, <laughs> yeah, escort, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's crazy to see where the game's gone. You know, in terms of um, you know wingers and stuff like that. And I know, you know, speaking to one of the coaches out from from Penrith. Mm. Um, They've got this system where they don't recruit. Um, they, if they don't recruit certain um, players, if they're under a certain um, weight, okay, if they're under a certain so height, height, yeah, yeah. Um, so they they feel that if they can get this person, they can train them in, gotcha. as a as a rugby league. So player. that's like a genetic god sort yeah, of system. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So. Um, you know, and I guess if they were going, if they were doing that back then, then Maddie wouldn't have been a first grader. Yeah, you yeah. know, those short wingers like has he wouldn't have been a. Well, yeah, the short wingers a, in yeah, the game. Yeah, but they um, yeah, Maddie was something special. You know, just giving the ball and he's he like, super strong. Yeah, he he was like Ball. another forward man. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, you know, his kick returns like make us good thirty forty meters for um, sure. Easy. So, well, tell me, what was it like to actually win your first game? Um, it was against Para, and I think, yeah, there was no better feeling um, against Para, and you know, just saying, just remembering Brian say, "I'd never play first grade if I left yeah. Para." Um, you know, to me, that was, yeah. That was like, um, you know, proving him wrong. Mm. Um, but I guess the way we won it as well, I was living with uh, Sonny and Rennie at the time, and they both made their debuts. Nice. And Sonny, yeah, yeah. Sonny killed it in that game. Was that like a double header, like at Stadium Australia or something? Is that where was it? Was that Stadium was that, Australia? Yeah, I, I think I was there that day. I think. Yeah, but because Sonny played in the centres that day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's when, you know, Sonny came out, killed it, and, yep. um, yeah, the, 
Sunnyville legend was born, I guess. But yeah, it was, um, I don't know, just it, the way everything worked out. And then Jamie Lyon, he quit the Eels yeah. straight after that game yeah. and went to Wewa. And so I wanted to stay at Para. Yep. And yeah, had he have done that, then I would have been the center at, you know, Para. Because right, you were yeah, next to yeah. Um, do you believe in fate? Know. I do. Yeah, I well, believe everything for you, man. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe, yeah, everything happens for a reason, and it's a lot of the times you question why is this happening to me yep. at the time, and you don't understand it, but then you look back at On it reflection. and you're like, yeah yeah, 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 I get it now. Yeah, I hundred percent agree, man. Mm. So, t- mate, it's, it's a blockbuster year, dude, because you are killing it in at first grade. But how do you get called up for Origin in the first season that you're actually winning games, man? Um, <clears throat> so we played the Roosters in round 13, I believe, and Hojo, he gets suspended because he he came out and head-eyed Steve Price. Mm. Um, so there was a centre gone. Um, Tatey, so <clears throat> we, we had the bye that weekend. Yeah. And so... Myself, Rennie, Braith, and Jamal were planning on a trip to Gold Coast. Okay. And, um, but then I get a phone call um, on the Tuesday, I think it was, um, from one of the selectors. And, hey, Willie, you know, Brent, Brent Tate's sort of in doubt. Yeah. Um, we want to call you in um, just on standby. Did you think it was a G up? Or? Uh, or did you, were there, was there a few like whispers that you might be? No, 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 no whispers nothing, at all. Nothing. No whispers at all. Um, I, I was, I didn't think it was a jab because I, yeah, I just, I was more shocked than anything. Yeah. And then I remember getting off the phone, and I must have had this look on my face because Rennie's Rennie was right next to me. He's like, "Who was that?" And I didn't say anything. He's like, "You just got people origin, didn't you?" And I, I smiled and, I don't know, he smiled and we embraced and yeah, nice. it was one of those moments. Um, so, yeah, got called up and then I didn't know that. So, Tady didn't, he didn't make, um, he didn't pass medicals. Okay. But I didn't know that. And so, I'm still thinking that I'm 18th or 19th man <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And then <clears throat> at training the next day, I'm looking around and there's no other centers. And um, that's that's how I knew. I didn't get told that I was playing. So you must have had the best. I had to the night before. Yeah, I was I was good. I was good, and then all of a sudden I realised that um, Tatey wasn't there. Yeah. And because you have your own room, Hmm. so yeah, yeah, yeah. Had had your own room, so usually your room with a your centre part or your winger. Yeah. Um, but nobody told me that, you know, Tady had been ruled out or anything. Um, and that night I, I rang, or that day when, after training, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm playing to my mum and dad. Um, yeah, and again, the tears of joy. Um, yeah, but that was crazy. What, what's it like to be in a camp? Because back then, you know, you got Lockyer, Petro, Shane Webke, you know. I don't even think Jonathan was in the team, was nah. he? Some incredible legends of, of Queensland rugby league. Man. Yeah, um, I was still, I was, I was scared to talk to 
talk to them. Um, you know, still in awe. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, these are boys that you know, especially Lockie. He's he's one of my all time favourites. Mm. Um, you know, and I, yeah, I still, you know, to this day, or well, when the last time I saw him, you know, I still get nervous talking to him. You know, it's I don't know, it's 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 weird, but I remember during that camp, I, I hardly I hardly spoke. Um, but I, at the same time, I knew that um, I could do the job. Yeah. Yeah. I backed myself to be able to do the job. And they just made sure, like, you don't have to worry about anybody else. You're playing with all these all these other superstars. Mm. You just got to make sure that you don't mess up. Um, and so that's all I focused on. Um, played at where we played Suncorp, debut at Suncorp. I don't remember um, being in the shed before, but I just remember being in the tunnel just about to run out. Mm. And I look up and I see a jersey. It's got Lockyer number six, just just before we're going to run out. And, um, yeah, that was – that's like an image that I'll never forget. And running out and just hearing that roar, um, yeah, that's that feeling's another level. Because that first Origin that you played, was there anything that's ever replicated like the crowd noise when you were in it? Um, yeah, every time you play, every time, every, 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 yeah, play, yeah. every time you play at Suncorp, um, yeah, in a Maroons jersey. There's been a couple of times when. Cowboys and Broncos, it's yeah, been it's, it's been at that level, yeah. yeah. Um, but hands down, that's a, that's the best stadium to play mm. play footy at. Um, yeah, I don't know that that whole that whole year was a, a roller coaster ride for sure. Um, yeah, like you said, it was everything happened that year. Um, yeah, I I don't sort of sit back and reflect and think about a lot of the things but when people do bring it up like mm. now that you've spoken about it I'm, I'm still having flashbacks now I'm thinking yeah it was pretty crazy some mad memories man yeah how did you boys turn it around because when you got to the semis you lost your first semi-final yeah that was a tough loss it was um <clears throat> I remember uh um, I'll just have a mind blank, but Corey Hughes. Okay. Um, I remember him saying, "Boys, we've lost, but there's been teams that have won the comp mm. that have lost their first game." And to me, I'm you know I'm just turned twenty one, and I'm thinking, "Okay, we lost, we're going to lose again." But then when he said that, I'm like. Um. Okay, the boys still think that we can win it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to start thinking that as well. And yeah, from then on, you know, the boys just turned it on. You know, he needs one senior guy. You yeah, know, we spoke about Sonny before. Mm. How much of an impact he has on the young you know, mm-hmm. All Blacks kids. Same yeah. thing, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, that wasn't even in my mind. I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, you know, I remember in the past. Boys used to go like 
go to a semis game with their jeans yeah. and, you know, already planning the night out if they lost. Mm. Um, and so I, I think my mindset was kind of there. But after hearing Corey say that, and I don't know if he remembers, you know how you there's, there's some things that always stick with you, like, and it's, it's probably the smallest things. Yeah. You know, um, it always is the smallest. It's yeah, the things, mate. And, but I remember it so clear. Him saying, "You know, teams have won it mm. after losing their first first game in the semis," and that for me, you know, changed my mindset. I'm like, "All right, these boys think we can win." Yeah, yeah I need to get on the same page. When you got to that grand final week, and you know, you guys find out that Steve Price isn't playing, did did that face you at all? I don't know, no. I, <clears throat> to be honest, that one thing that I that I regret, I, I didn't, I didn't really because everything happened so fast. You know, yep. I'm only twenty one. Yep. I'm thinking this is going to happen for the rest Every of my year, life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't really, um, I didn't really enjoy that week the way I should have. Mm. Um. A lot of it's just a blur. Like, I just, I think I just treated it as another week. Okay. Um, but I just remember the boys, you know, being so, so focused on it. You know, like, okay, you know, Price is not playing, but we've got other people that can step up. Um, and our bench, you know, Roy, um, Sonny. Yeah. You know. But even Rennie starting and Willie taking on a middle position. Yeah. Yeah. That was huge, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I <clears throat> I remember that we didn't use that many players throughout that whole year. And it seems to be the pattern. Like, if you're able to stay fit, yeah, yeah, obviously, um, oh, the less players... Too, man. 2016, they used something like 21 players. Yeah, I think we were, we were around the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but our bench as well, yep. you know... Um, you know, went on to everyone went on to play, um, play for their country. Mm. Um, yeah, we just the boys just knew. Yeah, the boys are just confident. You know, and you know you've got um, Willie there as well. He's um he's sort of leading the charge. He's like psyching the boys up. And yep. then you've got O'Mealy. He's like yeah. He's ready to. Did do he have like a damage. weird like preparation? <laughs> man? Where do you start? Where do you what start do you with it? Dan Karub or something. Dan Karub, um, he used to he used to drink different color Gatorades <laughs> like in a row, but he used to sip one and then sip the other and then sip one, <laughs> and then he used to have like a certain bag of lollies that he used to eat like on the bus on the way to games. Um, I don't know. He had the, so many superstitions and like he's one of a kind, but he's he's. One of the best props, yeah. if not the best prop that I've played alongside. Oh, it's an absolute best, yeah. man. So, you know, we talked about, you know, this roller coaster ride. Something I wanted to pick your brain on because I just read it somewhere. You didn't take up drinking until you were 20. Mm-hmm. That must have been the same year, right? Yeah. Why did you take up drinking? Uh, <clears throat> um, that was a culture at the Bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah. It was drink hard. Train hard, yep. play hard. Um, we were out every weekend. 
every single weekend we drank. That bond just really, yeah. really, really grow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, after going through the Coffs Harbour stuff, mm. it, it brought us more closer. Yeah. Um, it was like us versus everybody else, you know, and it, it was funny that we, I was only speaking about that Coffs Harbour thing um, to one of the boys today that okay. I work with. Yeah. Like, to this day, you know, people still think that, um, you know, we're guilty. Um, well, until Jonathan's book, no one had spoken anything yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. this whole time, I still remember when I interviewed Jonathan in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. There's still some, like, mongrels out there that would say, oh, why would you interview that rapist and things like that? I go, really? do you even know what happened there? Like, have a look. Wow. Have a look at the bloke. And then when you have read his book... Yeah. He had nothing even to do with it. <clears throat> yeah. It's crazy how people just make, just because of that incident, yeah. put it on everyone. And I'm sure it would have even affected you guys that weren't even there. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's how it got brought up because we're talking about this Netflix um, show that's out now. Okay. It's like, um, it's called When They See Us. Okay. So it's about these young American black boys mm. that... Um, they were in Central Park when this woman got raped. Yep. And so I've only just started it, but um true story, they get they get sentenced to how many years, but they've only just been released. Yeah. And they were innocent the whole time. So I remember going in and being questioned by the police and the way that they're able to twist words around and um even though I wasn't there and you had to come up with an alibi, like, okay, well, who, you who, can, yeah, yeah, who yeah. can witness that you weren't there? Um, so I had that, but still, they're able to make you think that. Mm. Um, and then the media is, all of a sudden, your family's reading stuff in the newspaper, seeing things on TV. Yeah, and that, that was the hardest thing. Um, you know, what what the families had to go through as well. Um, or even just walking down the street and, you know, someone yelling out you know, rapists, mm. you know, or I remember being in a club and um, in Brisbane. And I think it might have been that same year. And this girl threw a glass at Willie Mason and called him a rapist or something like that. That's crazy. Man. Like... Yeah, you don't know the story, you know, um, but I guess, you know, after, even after Jono's book, I don't know if, I don't know if people still believe, but. What was it? Was it like a pact between the players that you just wouldn't talk about? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not so much talk about it. Um, Yeah. Boys had their, had their reasons why they didn't want to talk about it. Um, You know, I just didn't feel that. You know, me personally, I, I didn't need to talk about it. Like, if, um, you know, if people people would ask, but you know, it's one, it's it's not their business. Mm. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, like, we know that we're in the right. Yeah. You know, um, but it's it's a shame that you know. You know, these incidences, like, th- these 
these people don't get named and shamed, you mm. know, and you've got to re- live with the stigma. Um, but yeah, yeah it's it glad because it, from Jonathan releasing it, obviously Jonathan's got a huge profile, mm-hmm. and people obviously respect him quite a deal. Was it probably best coming from someone like himself to actually tell what actually did happen? Um, <clears throat> you know, JT had his reasons why he he spoke on it, and I've spoken to him about it. Um, but I know that, me personally, I know that a lot of boys weren't happy with him bringing it back up. Mm. Um you know, whether they'd, you know, call him out on it or not. Um, I know they didn't. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't understand why. Like, if you've got something against it or against him, you know, bringing it up, call him, you know, and, and speak speak to him about it. Um, That's the biggest thing, eh? Yeah. Like and, and, and Jono, to me, he... He was trying to explain himself. He's like, well, if I'm going to tell my story and if I leave that out, people are going to think that I'm trying to avoid it yeah. and trying to hide something. And then if I do talk about it, then, you know, people are going to hate me anyway. So, and in his words, he's like, I'm damned if I do or I'm damned if I don't. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you, you, you do what you feel that you need to. Like, yeah. I think, you know, when he was speaking to me, um, yeah, he he was wondering what the boys would think about him bringing it up. Yeah, I'm like, don't don't worry about any, anybody else. You know, like you're telling your story. This is your story. Um, yeah, if they've got if they've got issues, then you know, let them come to you. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible advice, man. That's good. So, man, take me through because the rest of the journey at the Bulldogs was was very up and down, man. You started mm. copping some bad injuries, dude. Yeah, man. What's it been like? You've had fifteen surgeries, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. There's been times where, um, you know, I'd lock myself away, and especially there was when I was living with Sonny, um, he had. And the operation at the same time, mm. but his family was living in in Sydney at the time. Okay, so a lot of the times he would go and stay with them. Okay. You know, fa- you know, son's very um, close to his family and very family orientated. Yeah, um, and so a lot of the times I was left by myself. Okay, and um, because I was in rehab, like. In the early stages, I, I didn't have to go to training. There was nothing you could do, as in you know, treatment-wise. So mm. I just closed the blinds and wouldn't go anywhere and just, um, yeah, just be there with my thoughts, um, thinking, is this it? Am I ever going to play again? Am I ever going to, um, yeah, one play first grade again, or am I, am I ever going to be the same player again? Um, Especially achieving the highs of the highs, man. Yeah, and then being told, and you know, going back to when, when I mentioned like, there's there's certain things that you remember forever, mm. or, and I remember, um, being in a pub and this this one guy saying to me, "You'll never make you'll never make Australia again." Mm. I'm like, "Why is that?" And he goes, "Um." 
you know, because Gaznier and Cooper and, you know, Brent Tate. And I don't know him from a bar. I've never met him before. I'm like, all right. And (laughs) this guy, and he probably wouldn't even remember, but, um, yeah, him saying that, that's been like a massive motivation throughout my career to get back to that representative level. And it took took five years. Yeah. But I made it. Seems a, like a running like kind of theme that you need that sort of, you know, that challenge. Someone to really say it. Smitty did it first to you. Mm-hmm. This guy in the pub. But the comebacks are unbelievable, man. Like realistically, all those dark days, you know, you're just describing in a dark house by yourself, man. Like, how'd you get through it? Um, <clears throat> yeah, not the way that I should have. I, I, I didn't reach out to anybody. I didn't speak to, um, you know, family members about it. Um, and because you're in because you're in this game, it was, you know, in like a, a macho sport, you don't want to reach out to any of the boys and, you know, feel vulnerable or, you know, speak about your emotions. So yeah. I just kept it, I just kept it like to myself and it's only been, within the last six months that I've been comfortable about speaking on where I was, mm. how my mindset was. And, um, yeah, I was, I was in, I was depressed. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think I was until I spoke to somebody and they're like, you're in denial. Well, like those dark days that you think you were having, you, you were depressed. Yeah. When I heard that, I broke down, started crying. Um, but yeah, I guess back to your question, the way I, I dealt with it was um, prescriptions. Yeah, yeah. And I, <laughs> I've never spoken on this before ever, um, out in public. But that's what sort of that's what got me through it. Okay. Now, well, I just want to ask you a personal thing. You know, I've had Rennie on before and he's explained exactly what's what happened that night and things like that. So we don't need to go into any detail. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what happened. But one of the important questions I wanted to ask you is because I was thinking about it and I was pitching my best friend and if that ever happened to me, like the importance of the person that finds the person trying to commit suicide, like that must have been a traumatic experience for you, man. Yeah, it really was, um, <clears throat> especially with how close Rennie and I were. Um, and not not knowing that he was going through that, with how close we were, um, you know, I'd, I thought I'd be able to see signs and, and pick up things, but I didn't see any signs and I guess, you know, for the most part, people that are, are suffering you know they're able to mask it mm. um so there was a couple of months where i couldn't i didn't tell anybody except sunny yeah um and <clears throat> you know with me off you know Rennie and i haven't really spoken on, on it ever mm. um and do you feel that you need to? 
With Rennie? Yeah. No. No. What's done is done. Yeah. Just move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the couple of months I'd, I had to keep it to myself and I, weren't, I wasn't allowed to speak to anybody about it. And um, yeah, that that was that mess with my head that really did. Um, I mean, so trying to keep because it. Because what, you would have been checking up on him and just make sure he's like. Oh, well, for the, for the first bit, um, <clears throat> Rennie, he wouldn't. He wouldn't answer my calls. Mm. He wouldn't answer my text messages. And he said that he was embarrassed. Um, you know, that was his main reason why he didn't reach out or yeah. he didn't, you know, take my calls or anything um, because he was more embarrassed than anything. Um, but, yeah, all I wanted to do was just make sure that he was, was, okay. He was okay. And, you know, every couple of days I'd, I'd try again. You know, and I'd try his brother's, uh, or his brother, or his sister's, is he doing okay? Yeah, mm. he's doing okay. Um, so, um, you know, the night that it happened, like, yeah. just trying to picture myself, like, did you have to call him an ambulance? Did you stay with him? Like, what happens when you, when you actually, uh, <clears throat> I, I made sure that um, there was nothing around that um, was there that, um, I guess, he could have done to to harm himself, Mm. one. And so we're at one of the boys' house. He was living there, actually, as well, at um, Mitch Allgood. so we're at his house, and it was like an L-shaped lounge. Okay. So I, I was on one, one side, and I made sure that Rennie was on the other, and I tried to stay up, and just watch him all night. And um, yeah, and he fell asleep, and I tried to stay up, and I, I remember falling asleep and waking up, and he wasn't there, and I jumped up and ran to the room and. He was laying in bed, um, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a bit awkward because I I try not to think about it that often. Or, yeah, I was going to ask um, if it, if you think about it all the time. Nah, I, <clears throat> I I don't, and um, I, I don't want that image in my head mm. anymore. Um, and I, I struggled with that, like seeing that image um, for a long time, but. Um, you know, I'm just glad that everything worked out the way it did. Yeah, everything happens for a reason again, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that, man, because that would have been tough to no, just all think good. about. Man. All good, bro. That's really cool. All right, tell me about, you know, this comeback, man, because the Cowboys is the next evolution, mate, because Willie Tonga Part 2 is back, man. Uh, <clears throat> 2008, um, my contract is up at the Bulldogs. Um and I was at a sort of, I just had a shoddering instruction and um, I felt, I was 25, but I felt my career was at the crossroads mm. and um, didn't know what to do. And then my manager told me, you know, the Cowboys are interested mm. and I, 
I thought about it and I thought, you know what, the only person or the only the only two people that can get me back at that level yeah. is Matty Bowen and Jono. Um, and I told Jono, you know, when he done his tour, yeah. that he was the reason why I moved up. Okay. Um, but that combination, you know, Matty and Jono, Dynamic, like, yeah, it's... Um, was training even I better want, than the games? Yeah, with, with, with Mango, yeah. He's um <clears throat> he's to me he, he's he's one of my top three players. Um, just what he's what he's able to do, um, you know, every, like it's just he, he does that every day at training. Yeah, um, I played a game with him, you know, in that uh, Legends of League mm. a couple of months ago, and he's. He's still, still got it. it. He's still got it. If, <laughs> I, if it wasn't for his knees and like he's with how bad they are, yeah, I believe he could still play at this level um, and still dominate. It's just so hundred percent exciting, man. Yeah. He just had something that everyone didn't. Yeah, he was like a big Preston Campbell. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for for a small guy, he's very deceptive because he's strong. Yeah, you know, and he's always able to find his front or. Um, you know, he, his upper body strength. He's um, yeah, it's it, it catches you off guard. I remember, you know, playing him one time, and that's probably the record of how many misses there are on just one player. I remember trying to tackle him, and I had I had seven missed tackles that game. All it was him. all on him. <laughs> um, and they said, "Who's the hardest player to tackle?" Ever in your career, it's him. Like it's no one. Like not Gordon Dallas or Petro. You'd rather that because they're going to run straight at you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's the, it's, it's the little guys that that are hard. So, mate, you know this guy in the pub who's giving you shit about not being able to make it back to Australia. You proved him wrong pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I don't. I don't think he was. He was saying it to give me shit. To be honest, it was just we were sitting around at the table. He was yeah. just some random dude, and um, we we're just having a conversation. But um, whatever his intentions were, it was a motivation. Again, mate, but placed at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he said it. Yeah, I don't think he said it in a in a malice way. Okay. Yeah, but he's like, you know, you've got gas near the, and he just. He might have actually had a point at the time, man. When you think yeah, of the centers were for sure your injuries. I and you know I I believe you know that that sort of error. Like there's never been you know I, I can't speak for you know going back like in, in the old days or whatever you know, yeah. but. Um, there were that many centers like Gaznia Cooper, Tate, Jamie Lyon, um, Tamana, um, well, Matt Giddy, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so many centers that you could just throw into the Australian side, and that would have done yeah. like uh, that would, you know, Justin Hodges, Hodge, yeah, yeah, like there's all these centers that you could have thrown into an Australian side that would have done um, done the job and. Done it well, 
Um, so yeah, he, he, he had a point, but, um, but again, that his words that night, um, stayed with me. I'm like, yeah, I'll prove him and everybody else wrong. For sure. Um, yeah. Well, going back to the origin level, like this time around, you got Mal Meninga as your coach. What's Mal like as a coach? Uh, as in what's he the did, technical well not even that what makes him so much you know he had so much success but mm. people talk about him not being a technical coach but mm-hmm. more of a kind of a man manager yeah yeah and that's it he's uh, he, he knows how to <clears throat> kind of like Wayne yeah um, so that level you know how to play already yeah for sure, and um, there's there's not much that you have to do, you know, with in Origin game. Just come up with maybe a game plan and pick out a few players that um, you think you could sort of um, work on. Mm. But he knows how to get the team to bond, and um, the guys that he brings in, um, you know, like. Trevor Gilmeister, mm. um, all the old boys. Um, and it's so special that you want to do it. You, you don't want to let them down. You don't want to let Mal down. Yeah. Um, and then at when you're in camp, you, you don't think of anything else outside. So um, you don't read the papers. You're not watching the news or anything like that. Yep. And like you forget that you've got a whole state as well that you're going out to represent. Um, but at the moment, you're just thinking, you know, I don't want to let these 17 boys down. Yeah. Plus, uh, Mal. Did it make it extra special? You know, you said before you're a Raiders fan, you're a centre, you're an Indigenous man. Mate, Mal is the... He's the man. He's the man. Um, yeah, it was special. I, I remember the first time I met him, it was at like a, a luncheon thing. No, I was at I was at a dinner, um, and it, like this was back in two thousand and five. Um, he and I were like special guests at this at this dinner. Mm. Um, never met him before, and um, I don't know. He's just got this this aura about him, um, and I remember you know asking for a photo. Um, but then, I guess. <clears throat> the f- okay, so when I got when I got picked again, yeah, in two thousand and nine, I um, and this is this is something else that I've never spoken publicly about. Um, I should have been dropped from from that squad. Yeah. Um, I so we went into camp on a Tuesday. Mm. Um, myself and a few other boys, we went out that night, and we weren't allowed out. And you were caught. So the next day, um, I wake up at someone else's house, and I look at my phone. I've got 20 missed calls from Steve Walters, who's the manager, 
I've got missed calls from Jono. Yeah. I've got missed calls from Nate Miles. Yeah. <clears throat> and this was around nine o'clock in the morning. Nine o'clock, you're meant to be on that bus to the airport because the game was down in Sydney. Sydney, yeah. Um, and so I ring, I ring Steve Walters. He's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm on my way to the hotel. He goes, hurry up and get to the airport. So Nate had left my stuff um, wow. at the hotel. Yeah, yeah. He, he he took all my bags and stuff like that, mm. all my clothes, but he left my um, the gear that we're meant to, to wear on, it, on the plane at the hotel. So... Um, I had someone drive me to the to the hotel, mm. got into that kit, went to the airport, <clears throat> and I remember this is one of the most nervous I've ever been, walking in, and Neil Henry, who was the assistant coach at the time, was a Cowboys coach, yeah. and Billy Johnson, who was a trainer, trainer yeah. and Mal, they were waiting for me. Oh, God. And so all, all I'm waiting for is like... Um, to be told that I'm going back to Townsville. But Mal, um, he's like, go and meet the boys and I'll catch up with you later. And so that whole week, that was one of the, yeah, that was one of the scariest weeks I've ever had because um, I had to play a big game. Yeah, man. Otherwise, because I think they'd won the first one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they won the first one, and so I got called in for Hodjo because mm. he done his hammy. Yep. So I'm getting called in. Plus, I, I missed the missed the bus. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and I'd gone out the night before. Yep. Um. And so yeah, that's hanging on my head the whole week. Um. So how long till Mel caught up with you? Um. That night, um, so we we flew to Sydney and then we had to catch a bus up to Terrigal. Um, was it like when, we'll you know, when you're younger and you get in trouble for something and you know your parents are going to be talking to you about it, you just don't know when? Yeah, yeah, it really was. Yeah, yeah that's how it was. Um, I was I was scared. Yeah, I was scared. I was nervous. All of that, and plus, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not. I don't know what Lockie's thinking. I don't know what Petro's thinking. I don't know what all these other boys are yeah. thinking. Um, and so women's had the day off. And so when we got up there, yep. we got flogged <laughs> because, Cause of you know, happened, yeah. yeah, because um, me and a few other boys went out. So we had <clears throat> went into a room um, and they're like, all right, who went out last night? So we, we put our hands up yep. and then, okay, well, what he's got to say for yourselves, we apologize to the boys. Mm. All right, everybody go get your training kit on. We're going out to get flogged. And it was pouring <laughs> down. So the boys would have been hating me. And then that week I'm just thinking, um, you know, if I don't play a good game, then, you know, that's it for me. Um, but... Yeah, I can't thank Mel enough because I we won that game. Um, 
it was the game where um, Wolfman was playing. Yep. And I made two tackles and he dropped the ball. Um, and we ended up winning that game. And so he picked me for the next game. And then he picked me for all three games the following year. Yeah, so he knew that, yeah, if, you, if you've done the job in the past, he'll pick you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, no, I've never, I've never shared that story. Mate, it's an incredible um, story. In the public, but, well, publicly, but, um, yeah, I can't thank Mel enough, um, you know, for sticking with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah, again, I didn't want to let him down. You know, and especially the boys with, um, with my actions, you know, that, that I shouldn't have done. Yep. All right. Well, now you know. About six or seven months ago, I heard you on Grange TV and with, with the boys, with uh, Fab yeah. and and Rob. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the time, you were still very disillusioned about you know rugby league. You know, rugby league's done a lot to your body, and I can imagine what the pain that you have to go through every day. You know, what I mean, it's just not yeah. the operations, the head knocks, all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But man, just before we started the podcast, is we were talking a lot about coaching and how that's kind of lit a fire in you again. So, tell me a little bit about kind of how that fire got got reignited, man. Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, with the injuries and you know the head knocks and stuff like that, I'm I'm starting to really feel the effects of it and I got to a point where I was angry at the game you know mm. I was um, you know if I could do it all over again I wouldn't I, I, I never I'll, I'd never play the game to be honest but um, you know you and I have spoken on it before everything happens for a reason yeah. and once I sort of sat back and, um, you know, everything, I don't know, everything sort of settled and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to play ever again mm. um, at a professional level anyways. Um, I thought I've been around some some of the best players yep. that will ever play the game. I've had some you know, some awesome coaches and I'd like to think that I've picked up some some tips and um, learn a few things mm. to be able to give back. And if I didn't, um, I feel that that would be selfish for me not to. Um, because it was the same as you, man. People gave you that knowledge. You know, those coaches put time into you. Yeah, for sure. And now you can do that to not only light a passion in yourself, but that next generation. Yeah. They can be Willie Tonga, man. Yeah, well... Um, can you imagine just a kid right now who's in the under-12s for a club right now, how much he could gain from being just in your... Just in just around you and just learning from you. Do you mean, he might not make it, but it gives him the best opportunity to... Yeah, you're right. And, um, you know, before the podcast started, I, I mentioned that I was going to play for uh, for Matraville mm. um, with a few of the boys. And so I went down there and the first night that I trained um, just saw how different it was to – because I hadn't, I hadn't played at that level since I was 17. Yeah. 
um, and just you know how much the boys didn't really know. So me going in there, just assuming that you know these boys would know um, the basics of what you think the basics are of the game. Yep, they didn't know, and so you know I was I stayed back forty five. 45 minutes to an hour, just teaching boys um, just the fundamentals. How'd that make you feel, man? In all honesty, I'd, I've, uh, it made me feel awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's very nice. I felt really feeling, good. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a young a young kid who just moved out from Western Australia, and the week before was his first um, rugby league game. Mm. So he'd, he grew up playing... Um, AFL and he'd played a couple of games of rugby union yep so the game before um, well the weekend before which was his first game the, his first tackle he put the ball down like it was a like it was a rock and mall okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so <laughs> for for about half hour I got him to run at me yep and I'd try and put him on his back and he and try and you know, get him to fight me off. Yep. But learn how to play, like teach him how to play the ball correctly. Mm. And he was still running in, um, like he was getting ready for impact, but getting ready to protect the ball, like he was in rugby. Yeah. I'm like, no, you, you run upright yep. until you until you're about to hit impact, and then maybe brace yourself and for a bump. Or something like that, and then, um, yeah, it was just it was satisfying just to um, to see that he was learning on the go. So from where he was, even just a half an hour before, yeah. to um, what he'd picked up, I was like, I enjoy doing this. And so yeah. the following week, I went. <clears throat> I, I decided not to play, but I went to Moor Park. Mm training and my cousin who plays at Moore Park he's like um do you think you'd be able to um coach a few of the, oh you know show a few of the boys a few things and I was thinking maybe the centers and wingers mm. but um I asked um what they felt they um they struggled with the weekend before and it was around the ruck and so we just started working on ruck defence and yeah. just just that small stuff. And then because your knowledge peeling. base isn't just being a centre, your knowledge base is because you observed across the whole. Yeah, and, but man. as yeah. like for me, I, I didn't I didn't see it that way. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't think of it that way. How long till it, you changed your mindset towards that? Um, yeah, I'm still trying to change my mindset. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I'm thinking, you know, I. Yeah, maybe I can still work with the with the centers and wings, but when we're starting to do this this ruck defense and stuff like that, mm. you know, I I try to stay away from the middle as as much as possible. I try to stay out the, out wide and look pretty, but um, I knew what to do. Yeah, I knew like how tight the A's and B's had to be and the yep. C's, and you know how to punch punch in behind the markers, and you know we start we'll just working on that all night. Um, and if they got it wrong, um, you know, just hold up, boys. Um, 
where do you think it went wrong here? Like if someone got beat, yeah, you know, why do you think you got beat? If you didn't know, then I would say, okay, it was this, and then, or I'd just, you know, let the boys sort of answer. Mm. Yeah, he got beat because of this. Um, and I felt that the boys got a real buzz yeah, out man. of just learning that stuff. Yep. And so the following week, uh, so that was a Tuesday because I only trained two, two, two nights a week. Yep. I went there on Thursday as well. And we started, uh, we worked on the edges and um, how to get up off the line and how to sort of um, herd them out and kept getting beat. I'm like, okay, boys, why do you think you got beat here? Mm. Um, one, you, you, you're too tight. And so, I, yeah, I never thought that I'd ever be in that position where I'm, um, you know, one, teaching the boys how to, you know, the, the fundamentals of the game, but actually enjoying doing that. Yeah. And Are you visualising at the same time? Like well, you going back in your career and just see, you know, folks, you going, Willie, this is why you got beat here, here and here. This is what we need to fix it. Do you see these in your, your head? Flashbacks or something? Yeah. Um, I, when I'm going back, I, I'm i thinking of Wayne. When Wayne had us in, yep. in, the, in the Aussie team. Yep. And, um, and there were things that he'd tell me, like, where I need to stand as a centre um, so I can, if I need to check somebody and to move out, um, or if I need to come in and... Um, to try and block, you know, to lock that play down in, so the ball doesn't um, get to the winger, just to make those big decisions as a centre. Mm. Because, um, you know, centre, if you make the wrong decision, then, um, you know, it could cost you. And, you know, like you saw in the origin, you know, like, um, you know, unfortunate for Latrell, but... You know, mm. he, he made a few wrong decisions and, yep. you know, Will Chambers was able to capitalise on that. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those positions where you make one wrong move and then, you know... And it has to be a couple of inches yeah. too. So I'm, I'm, while I'm teaching these boys, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, you know, these coaches telling me where I needed to stand mm. and, you know, what I needed to do to to um to be effective in those those situations do you get a kick out of you know someone like you know will chambers he's 30 years old taking on the one of the best players in the world you know obviously he's down down on his game on that game too but will chambers got carved up last year in the origin series it looked good for him like i'm not obviously i'm a new south Wales but yeah just as a rugby league supporter Mm -hmm. it was fantastic to see the old ball it just absolutely towel up the young fella. Um, it's awkward for me to talk about that, or, or you know, because I I love both of them absolutely, and I've got so much respect for both of them. Um, and so, you know, I'd I'd never say a negative thing about either of them. Yeah, but everybody knows what happened. Yep. Um, but it really was good to see Will, you know, come out and have the game that he did. Yeah. Um, you know, and as much as, you know, I love Queensland, um, you know, it's hard, it was hard for me to, to see 
Latrell, you know, had that game mm. because, you know, after after meeting him and, and seeing how nice and he seems like how a great genuine of, yeah. of a of a dude he is, I'm like, he's he's such a good kid and he's got so much respect for you and mm. he's willing to listen and learn um, and. You know, he was asking me questions because we had a golf day okay. um, for for Kari, who I work for. Yep. And, you know, Kari, Kari's got partnership with the Roosters and, you know, Latrell happened to come out. And yep. first time I met him, he and I just sat by ourselves and we're just having lunch. Um, well, I wasn't having lunch because I was fasting, but, <laughs> he, um, yeah, we're just talking. And it was like we'd known each other for a long time. Yep. And set that connection. Yeah. yeah. Um and I guess you know, it 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 started from there. You know, I'll I'll always I'll always respect Latrell. You mm. know, and it was hard for me to watch that game. Um well it was hard for me to see him, him have that game. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want him to do the best that he yeah, can. Yeah, absolutely. Like <clears throat> you know, and I'm surprised the lack of support for him too. Mate, four weeks ago they were giving him ten out of ten and he was the god, he has one bad game, and it's like that's yeah, that's it's incredible. That's mind blowing to me because he, um, he was one out of only a couple that is he was guaranteed a Blues jersey, and now mm. they're talking about you know not putting him in the team at all. They're insane. Um, he's yeah. the best center in the world. He might be the best center in the last fifteen years. Man, already, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what he can do and how he can change a game, um, yeah. I, I haven't seen too many like it, and you know, he's he's a special talent. And so to go off just one game, like mm. you don't know what he's going through, you don't know where his his mentality's at. Um, Seeing some positive vibes. That's things that the New South Welshman can control. And you've got things like Phil Gould going, don't come back into camp if you're distracted. Well, help him. Yeah, 100%. Talk to him. 100%. Being yeah. out, like he's 21 years old at the end of the day. You know, you talked about before not being able to talk to people and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Mate, Phil, you're 55 <laughs> years old. Have a chat to the young yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Find out what's going on, you know, and encourage him. Like, um, that's that's what I don't understand. Mm. Um, how you can just change all of a sudden? Like, yeah, he's he's certain to, to be in the in the Blues jersey, but now all of a sudden, what they don't want him in the team. Yeah, um, that's that's crazy to me. Well, do you find it? Because I know before you didn't really watch a lot of NRL. Mm-hmm. Do you find it easier to watch a lot more games now? No, still not. No, is it because you just want to be out there? Um, <clears throat> I just. I don't know. I just have no interest in in watching it, really. Yeah, okay. Um, if it's if I do watch a game, and it'll be the Roosters, okay, and it'll be because of Latrell. Yeah, man. Um, or you know, I might watch. Um, so it's more of a kind of Newcastle. support your mates sort of um, thing. Yeah, that that's how I used when I used to play and. The games I did used to watch, mm. it was I'd be watching because I knew the boys in that team. Yeah, um, I watch Newcastle now because of Kalen Ponga. Yeah, and how special man. he is. Yeah, um, you know I've never met the kid, but 
Um, oh, mate, they're ready to give up on him when he was. Remember the first few games at five eight, mate. Jesus Christ, yeah, they're really ready to give up on him as yeah, well. That's, that's crazy to me. Yeah, um, but I don't know. It's yeah, Latrell. It's he's special. Um, you know, and you can't just go a fine game. Um, but I don't know. I'm, yeah, I I wanted to be back there in, in game two, but mm. you know, I yeah, I want us to win, obviously. But <laughs> I just it was hard for me to ha- see him Absolutely. have that game. Yep. And now the negativity around him and what he's going through at the moment, like, um, it's hard. It, it'd be hard on a kid. You know, he's only 21. Yeah, exactly. You know, where's the support? It's again, going back to that conversation with Sonny, when you, he was helping out those 21-year-olds. Yeah. And you guys thinking, well, well this was us. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, yeah, the, sure. we're the senior guys. Yeah. And, you know, life just flashes between your eyes. It man. does. It really does. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to to think how fast things go. And, you know, and I've... I've spoken to boys about it, just talking about us being in the room and having guys come in and like tell us, yeah. you know, the career's, your career's not going to last forever. It's going to go not in a blink of an eye. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, when's he going to shut up so I can go home, yep. you know? But um, it really does just like the last 15 years, you're like, where to go, you know? Um yeah, but it's cool. It'd be cool to sort of get that message across to the young boys now, yep. but in a different way. Um, I feel, you know, the people that would come in and tell us these things, um, to me, it wasn't genuine. They they came in and told us that stuff just to, it was like them ticking off a box. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm speaking to these boys. Yeah, I, I did my job today, but not really, had, not being genuine about it, not really caring. Does that make Yeah, it does make sense. sense. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that kind of gives you an opportunity now to do something that they didn't. Yeah. <clears throat> um, even, you know, speaking to Latrell at the golf day yeah. and, and talking about that and um, his mindset and how, how close he is with his family and how he's looking to, you know, um, he, he doesn't know what he wants to do after 40 yet, but mm. he already wants to start looking into that where when I was 21... You know, that was the last thing on my mind. Because I'm thinking this is going to last forever. Yep. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, the NRLs, you know, seems like they're doing something right. Like yeah. With, you know, educating these boys that... Well, if he's you, looking you into them, that means it's a it's a good sort of movement that's starting. You know, I mean, they definitely need to be starting to think about what they need to 100%, do. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um, but... Yeah, I, I just, I just hope that you know he gets his chance because, um, well, I just hope he's in the game too. Yeah, um, you know, for his sake. But yeah, um, yeah, I was, I was happy, you know, to see Will, um, Will play the game that he did, mm. and um, you know, for Queensland to have have a chance of winning again. Um, if if Latrell's playing, then you know Will's gonna have to you know, step, step up, up again. One, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, along with Kalen and and Munster, he's incredible as well. Yeah. Well, Will, man, this has been an incredible journey. I appreciate it. I just had a look two hours in. Really? Yeah. 
Didn't um, even realize that, man. Nah. Mate, you've been so open and honest, man. So I can't thank you enough because I know everyone in the audience. That's where kind of like learning starts, vulnerability and sharing stories. And you've done plenty of that, mate. So I do appreciate you coming in, man. And Nah, uh, thank yeah, you. We'll Thanks for the again. invitation. Yeah, for sure, brother. Nah, I've enjoyed it. So I think it. we've got more to talk about. But before I let you leave, because, you know, obviously you're going to be start doing some private coaching. So mm-hmm. if people jump on playbook.coach, you'll be able to find your profile there and get in touch to get some private coaching. I can't think of anyone, especially for those, you know, kids that want to be taught by an Origin and Australian representative. It's it's a great platform that's actually been started by Chris Lynn, mm-hmm. who's obviously yeah. one of the best 2020 players in the world. And yeah. With him and his business partner, they've, they've started an incredible website. And yeah, the, a- the access that children, I mean, even some people at work, they're even laughing. They go, oh, mate, I think I need some, I'm only a park footy player, but I might get some coaching. Like, it's an incredible opportunity for everyone to get some private tuition. Yeah, 100%. You know, especially, if, you know, these kids go on a train and, and you've got, you know, 15, 20 boys there. Um, and if you're thinking that, how am I going to get to the next level? Um, you know that. You know what Lenny's done is is perfect to to help these people get to the the next level. Hundred percent agree, mate. And also get following him on his Instagram. He's going to be pretty active coming up, I reckon. He's at Willie Tonga. I think is his handle. Mm-hmm. It's yep. nice and easy to find Will on that one. But again, man, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast, and I can't wait to see you continue to evolve and kill it in the coaching game right? I appreciate it brother thanks for having me no worries and that guys was Willie Tonga as mentioned at the top and you know the end of that interview Definitely jump onto his profile on playbook.coach, especially if you've got a kid or even an adult, a team that needs a little bit of coaching from an origin, an international, and a premiership winner. You won't be disappointed. Will is a hell of a bloke, and definitely, it is definitely worth the investment, which isn't that much at all. So definitely get onto that website, playbook.coach. All right, guys, next week, we're going to be turning to the Wallabies and Rugby Union, an absolute legend. Probably one of the greatest sportsmen to come out of Australia is none other than Mark Eller. So be on the lookout for that one. Who knows, I might even leave Monday as a normal day for, you know, to release the show. I'll see how that might travel for the rest of Season 3. But it's going to be a cracking end to Season 3. We've got Henry Paul, Chris Lynn, Mark Swarter and Robert Whittaker to, you know, to round out another great season. But get in touch for suggestions for Season 4. Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. I'd love to hear from you or drop me a DM on either Facebook or Twitter. I'm at Tristan. Sorry, I'm at TalkingWithTK. All right, guys. Really enjoyed bringing you Tong. I hope you enjoyed it too. If you did, definitely share it with your friends and tag me on any posts on social media. All right, guys. That's it for this week. Stay safe. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK.